Welcome back to the fifth quarter, live from Narrow Bridge. Here are Mark Daniels and Matt Z. Welcome back, Packers, a winner over the Chiefs. Great atmosphere at Lambeau last night. There was snow falling right before the game kicked off. Uh, you know, it was a blast. Oh, no question about it. And uh, a lot of fun. And this guy's having a lot of fun and really enjoyed finally getting him over here. And had a little engagement last week that came up at the last minute, but we worked it out. And here he is, number one pick of the Packers here in 2023. 13th overall choice from the University of Iowa, Barrington, Illinois High School. Two years a player with the Hawkeyes in 27 games. It was the interesting thing. He didn't start a single game. But he was the highest drafted Iowa Hawkeye this year for good reason. He gets after people. 13 and a half sacks in his college career. He's playing all 12 games for the Packers. Got his second sack yesterday. Got Justin Fields opening day and then chased down Patrick Mahomes for the first of the three sacks yesterday and a heck of a play. 20 tackles, 6 TFLs, pass defense, getting his feet wet and learning this game. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a pleasure to welcome on board and here to the Narrow Bridge Brew House, Lucas Van S. Yep. Grab the mic. Nice and How you guys doing? Lucas, thanks for coming over. How about that Chiefs win yesterday? Listen to this you know the drill. You know the drill. Congrats. Big win. Big atmosphere. Uh, you guys just got to be really, really feeling good about how this thing has turned uh, and, and how this thing has turned. Uh, just with so much better play all the way around from everybody. Just give me the, the vibe right now over at your new headquarters at 1265. Yeah, you know, you heard it best from uh, from Christian and uh, Preston. Um, you know, from the beginning of the year, we've been in uh, a bunch of really close games this year, and uh, we didn't start out the way we wanted to. But you know, as you've mentioned, we had uh, we have a lot of young guys, and uh, in every game, there's just minor mistakes that are very fixable that we knew if we got it right, we're going to be a uh, a very challenging team to play against. And uh, so we're fired up. Um, it's always exciting in the building after a win, and uh, you know we're all excited for the future. Is it hard to practice when you're giving it everything you've got? You're trying to do the right things, and the results aren't coming. I mean, the belief is tested yep. in times like that, right? Yeah, you know uh, that's the hard part about our sport is uh, you know we only get to play once a week every Sunday, and uh, ultimately, if you don't get that uh, desired outcome on that Sunday, you know it can be a long, hard week. Um, but that's where that character is built. Um, you know, you see a lot of guys, uh, you know, that's where teams, you know, are either built or crumble. And, uh, you know, just the veteran leadership especially um, has been so great on this team. And it's really pushed us, um, you know, not just the young guys, the team in general, and just uh, motivate us to keep pushing forward and, you know, get ready for the next opportunity. You are one of the few guys that actually have veterans in your room, yep. you know, with Preston and Rashawn compared to the receivers. And obviously the, uh, you know, um, the infant tight ends, you know, those three rookies that are going. So uh, that has had to make a big difference. Just talk a little bit about uh, what their mentorship has been like, how much you're learning from those guys about how to go about your business, obviously how to play the game at this level, but really just how to become a professional athlete. Well, I do have my rookie dinner tomorrow, so let's hope... Uh, the rookie they, dinner's tomorrow? Let's hope they uh, they treat me pretty nice, those mentors. But... Uh, uh, you know, it's it's awesome just, uh, you know, coming into uh, this league. Um, there's just a lot flying at you, uh, you know, deer in headlights per se. And, uh, you know, coming in, um, you know, both Rashawn and Preston, Preston going on nine. Um, just, uh, you know, they've experienced a lot. They've been under different coaching staffs. Um, they know what's expected. Um, 
you know, they understand how long this season is coming in as a rookie, you know, going from, you know, a 10, 11, 12 game season all the way to a 17 plus preseason, 20 game season. Um, you know, for me, I feel like, uh, you know, my season should be ending by now. But yeah. just, uh, you know, just more than anything, just well, keeping hey, it in I my head space. I got 13 games in this year. Yeah, yeah, right. All right. Did so. that, that last one in turn well, out too uh, good, yeah, well, <laughs> sort of. Uh, so you put on the dinner? You're responsible for the dinner tomorrow? I am responsible for the dinner. What are you making? Oh, well, we're going to a restaurant down in Milwaukee. Oh, we're going to Milwaukee. I'm not making anything. Oh, come on. But but you're responsible for the bill. Is that how this uh, works? I am responsible Ooh. for the bill. How, how I, many people at the table tomorrow night? Well, I think we are actually bringing the D-line along with us. Um, oh. But as the uh, the designated first rounder, I am responsible. So uh, we'll, we'll probably have around 15-ish uh, guys there tomorrow. Woo! Should be hefty. Well, yeah, signing bonus was good while it lasted. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Holy cow. Oh, man. Why would you take the D-line? They're heavy eaters, man. Exactly. Take the DBs. You know, you'd be They'll surprised. They'll just do appetizers the, and fill up. The DBs almost eat more than the D-linemen. You'd be surprised. Really? Right. They're ravages out well, there. Well, okay. Savages. <laughs> <laughs> so, bucket list sack. Patrick Mahomes, you're really excited about it. Tell me about how you got home and what it was like getting home. I was actually mentioning yesterday after the game, I'll have to go back and find it. Somewhere during my draft process, I did an interview and they asked me, who was one quarterback you want to sack this year? And I said, Patrick Mahomes. Um, so, uh, <laughs> right. so that was uh, pretty cool to see that come around. But, um, you know, kind of back to the mannerisms you guys mentioned earlier. That's a big part of our game. And uh, it's some of that little stuff that people don't recognize from the outside. Um, you know, we, uh, we spend countless hours every week. And, uh, you know, they take those, those game clips and they take little keywords or movements or hand signals and they, you know, kind of feed it out to us. Um, so I heard a word from Patrick. He gave us a, uh, an odd call, which is basically telling the center uh, which way to slide in his protection, uh -huh. which gave me the heads up. It was a pass play. So I was able to kind of get out a little jump out of my stance. Um, we call it a stab club was the move I used on the uh, the left tackle. And before I knew it, I was on the ground with Patrick Mahomes. So it was a lot of fun. That's, say, say anything to him? That's really cool. So, all right, that's checked off the bucket list. Who's the next quarterback, big-time superstar you'd like to? It, it can't be Tommy DeVito. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine you would have brought him up in your pre-draft <laughs> interviews. That would have been hilarious. But he's though. next. Yeah. yeah, he's next. Do you have good like question. a question? I haven't uh, haven't thought that far ahead. No, all right, because everything you say seems to come true. I'm just wondering if if you have a list. Right. But that was a huge play, though, Lucas. He just got gashed for a big catch. A, a Pacheco ripped off a long. It was first a goal at the five. Yep. A uh, huge kind of play, and that's one thing that I asked Matt Lafleur today about, and about you guys in general on defense. The red zone work has really been beneficial. It happened against Detroit. It happened really with a couple of other games where you're holding teams to field goals. Yeah, there have been days where you're giving up a lot of yards, but right now you're, at, I think, ninth or eighth in the league in points per game, and after all, it's all about the scoreboard. What's going on in the red zone? Why are you guys getting things done down there? Well, uh, when offenses get down there, that's where they score. Um, and uh, I think especially the last five weeks, uh, Coach Barry's made an emphasis in practice um, just uh, – Stopping, you know, even if they make it down there, just stopping them and holding them to either a field goal or getting them off the field. And uh, I think we've done an, an excellent job at executing the game plan. I think uh, every time we walk out there in that red zone, especially in a loud Lambo on Sunday night, 
Um, you know, it gets us fired up and juiced up. And we, we understand if we can get them off schedule, make a big play like a sack, you know, they can, uh, we can screw up their whole momentum. Well, I know there was one that was a little off schedule on your end. I think on Pacheco's run, there were 10 guys yeah. out there. Yeah. A little, that's how it happens. But it, it happens yeah. both ways. That's for sure. Tucker Kraft said that he fanboyed out when he met Travis Kelsey the first time. Do you fanboy out over anybody in the NFL at this point? Is there anyone you've come across who are like, damn, I'm in the same league as you? Yeah, you know, there's definitely guys we all look up to. And, uh, you know, there's been a bunch of guys I've probably wanted to walk up to and ask for their jersey after the game. But, um, you know, in my eyes, I, I feel like I have one of the best outside linebackers in the league in our room. Um, so something I'm very used to. And I've always believed that once I can, you know, establish myself and, uh, you know, gain a little presence out there, I'll, uh, you know, those jerseys will come to me. You know? talk, talk about what Rashawn Gary has meant to you up to this point. You mentioned one of the best going. I mean, he really is. Yeah, he's just uh, he's just a powerful leader. Um, our uh, our position coach always just talks about that our room is a standard, and uh, you know not only the standard for the defense, but for this team. And you know, you see with Preston and Rashawn, um, you know, everyone in our our locker room, the coaches, um, you know, the staff, they look up to them. Um, they have uh, an excellent way of just bringing the guys together and motivating us and, you know, pushing us to be our best. And, uh, you know, it's not like they, you know, go out there and shoot a bunch of words and have nothing to back it up. And uh, they both go out there and they play super hard and they produce. So, um, you know, that, that's all you can ask for. We had him on the show earlier, and you can just feel it means so much to him. I mean, the game ball he got in Detroit. That was an emotional moment there. Teary-eyed, everything else. He said, i got to stop crying in front of you guys. Cried after his contract. Cried yeah. after getting the game ball. It means a lot to him, and that really bleeds through a locker room yeah. in a hurry, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is an emotional game. We put, uh, we put so much work into this. Um, you know, same as all you guys. We come in every morning and, you know, working uh, 8 to 10 hours a day on building our craft and becoming the best we can be at our job. And, uh, you know, Rashawn's one of those guys that – you know, he had an injury last year, and he's, you know, I was able to come back and this summer and see him uh, on the tail end of that and working working really hard to get back for the season and be there for these guys. But, um, yeah, he's just, uh, he gives it his all. That's, you know, and when you do, you have uh, all reason to be emotional. Certainly so, good totally to follow, no question about it. Lucas Van Ness, our guest tonight. we got to take another time out when we come back. More with the packs number one right around the corner. We'll look for a hot and cold play from the big win over KC last night. Don't go away. Fifth quarter returns to Narrow Bridge right after this. We now return to the fifth quarter live from Narrow Bridge. Here are Mark Daniels and Matt Z. All right, welcome back, everybody. Lucas Van Ness, our guest tonight from Narrow Bridge as the pack hits six and six. The Lions, a winner over the Saints. They got out fast but held on for dear life, 33-28. Niners, very impressive win in Philadelphia last night. Uh, look out. Uh, yeah. When they are fully healthy, uh, that could they be are a, tough. That could be interesting. Yeah, they're That's really fun to sure. watch. No question about it. That was the most impressive game of the week. Jacksonville, they beat Cincinnati tonight. You know what? They're the one seed in the yep. AFC. Amazing. Dougie Peterson. He's done boy. really good things with that program. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Lucas Van Assar, yes. He's a Hawkeye, uh, University of Iowa. Uh, Packers have dipped into that program for Kirk Ferentz uh, quite a bit over the years. Aaron Campman, Packer Hall of Famer this year. Uh Abdul Hodge, eh, didn't work out so well, but Brian Balaga was fantastic. Mike Daniels, Micah Hyde, all former Hawkeyes. It's a really good NFL training program for college football. Lucas, why is that so? 
I think that's what you get when you have a coach who's uh, been there for 26 years as yeah. the uh, longest tenured head coach in college football, which is incredible really? in today's day and age. Yes. Yep. I didn't realize and I don't that. Think, uh, I think the next one behind him is 10 years at least. Within, uh, I got, I don't, I'm not even sure. I think it's the next coach behind him has only been coaching for 10 to 15 years. Hmm. So he's he's got a crazy leap. He knows uh, – you know, he's got a blue-collar mentality, which is, uh, you know, I've been in the Midwest my whole life, going from Illinois to Iowa here now to Wisconsin. Um, and uh, he just knows uh, the type of the type of men and uh, the character um, that he's looking for. And he's able to, you know, take these rather unrecruited guys and develop them into NFL-style players, just not even by, uh, you know, what he does on the field, but off the field, being a great, you know, uh, coach, mentor, um, just teaching us how to be great men, and uh, he's, uh, you know, he's taking a uh, a six five, two hundred twenty two pound dude, and within a year I was, you know, fifty pounds heavier and fully developed, and uh, you know, gave him this beautiful opportunity to play here in the league. <laughs> you you're from Illinois. How did you end up at Iowa? Why why the Hawkeyes? What was that process like in high school, going to college? Yeah, so I was uh, I was a hockey kid. I played hockey my uh, you know from two to three years old all the way to my senior year and uh you know by uh by freshman year i realized i wanted to you know join and be a part of the community so enrolled and uh started playing a little bit of football um and uh by my junior year i kind of gained some size and you know realized that i really fell in love with the sport and might have the opportunity to play at the next level so i went to uh, a bunch of camps that summer and uh went to iowa's and uh received an offer there and my dad's originally from the state of iowa my parents both went to uh Iowa State, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, how do they feel about your decision? Well, I already had an older sister who was uh, attending the University okay. of Iowa, so I think they were able to pass pass some of their feelings. And uh, I think, for the most part, we have most of our family transitioned over to Iowa. Um, but yeah, I just love the uh, the organization. It made me feel good having an older sister there. Um, you know, obviously known for having uh, really high level defenses under Coach Parker and Coach Bell and. As you mentioned, uh, Aaron Catman, you yeah. know, just always producing high-level, uh, you know, defensive line players. So I just felt very comfortable, and I loved it from the moment I stepped on campus. Well done. So, what was the draft process like for you coming out of college, and then walk us through draft day when the Green Bay Packers call your phone? It's been a crazy past year. Um, just thinking back, you know, into January when I made the decision after the bowl game, which. You know, all the way until our bowl game, we played in Kentucky on New Year's Day. Um, I really wasn't 100% sure on what I was going to do. And uh, I finished up my bowl game and, you know, got with my family and coaches and realized I had this opportunity in front of me. So I, I shot my shot. And uh, I, uh, I went with an agency called Athletes First, and they are based out of uh, Los Angeles. So trained for two to three months out there and uh, prepared for the combine um, back in Indianapolis. Um, did a bunch of, uh, you know, visit with coaches and teams, which is, you know, crazy, crazy special. I had a, uh, a dinner sit down with Coach Tomlin, which was pretty cool. Wow. Um, in Iowa City, me and Jack Campbell, which was the linebacker taken by Detroit. Um, he's, a, he's a great dude. Um, he's a good player, but, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. And then Indianapolis was, was crazy. I met with all 32 teams, and uh, they, they pack a lot in that, that five days. So I was exhausted, but, again, the best five days of my life. Loved every moment of it. And, uh, you know, for the most part, I probably talked to Green Bay the least out of every team I talked to. That's so Goody, isn't it? <laughs> Goody kind of does that. And Ted did that, too. Yep. Uh, you know, he would never tip his hand. Sure. That, you know, all right. 
just because we don't talk to you yep. doesn't mean we don't love you. Yep. All right. Uh, and they've been that, like that forever. And all of a sudden, boom. You didn't start a single game yep. at Iowa. But you got all kinds of snap. And obviously the relentless energy you play with is the reason you just zoomed up the draft boards, your workouts, all that sort of thing. Uh, did that – was that a knock to anyone? No, I think it's just uh, – it's almost a testament to the way that Coach Ferentz does things. Um, you know, I had two fifth-year seniors in front of me. I was on my third year. Um, you know, if you look at the snap count, I was the highest. I, uh, that's the thing. Yeah, I know. You, were, you may not have started, but you were probably, I don't know, third highest, son, did you say? Second highest. Second on the team. And it was, you know, within a couple of, yeah. you know, the highest. So this is a question I got hundreds of times during the draft process. And, you know, every time uh, I talk to someone about it, they, you know, kind of understand, understand the way that Coach Ferentz operates and realize it was more of like a token start more than anything. And, uh, you know, had well, I stayed another... he rewards the guys that are se- the yep. seniors, the fourth and fifth exactly. year guys. Exactly. You know, I think it should be. Exactly. So, you know, had I stayed another year or two, I'm sure uh, I would have been a starter. But, you know, for me, it was just getting out there and optimizing every play I got. And at the end of the day, starting or not, it didn't make a big deal to me. <laughs> no, it didn't, as it turned so out. So if going through the process of the combine and everything, meeting with all 32 teams... If Green Bay wasn't high on the list of spending time with you, were you that much more surprised when you got the call from Green Bay? Oh, yeah. I had no idea. And uh, it's actually (laughs) funny. Um, I originally planned on going to the draft, but I uh, decided I wanted to spend the time with my family and friends. And uh, I'm from Chicago area, but my parents have a... um, a place in like lower Wisconsin, Lake Geneva area. So I was actually in Wisconsin for the draft. Um, and uh, when I ended up getting the call from Green Bay, it made it all that much more special. Wow. Was Already in the state. Barely a long distance call to get him in. <laughs> Lucas Van Ness, our guest tonight. We're going to take another break, but hey, when we come back, we're going to look for a hot and cold play winner. Don't go away. Fifth quarter returns right after this. Welcome back to the fifth quarter, live from Narrow Bridge. Here are Mark Daniels and Matt Z. Step on up. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back. Lucas Van S, our guest tonight, having some fun with the Iowa Hawkeye. Time to play our hot and cold play of the day. You know how it works. You guess the play of the game. Hot play, for that matter. Take home a prize tonight right here in front of me, and you'll also get qualified for a grand prize at the end of the season. Who's first in line? Uh, we go. Got a hot play guess? Let's have at it. Oh, there he is. Go ahead. I'm going to guess the fourth down catch by Dobbs. The fourth down catch. That was Matt LaFleur's favorite, but not my hot play. Uh, heck of a play. Fourth and one, and uh, Dobbs goes down and pulls in a 33-yarder. Anybody else with a hot play guess? Anybody? Hoop, hoop, hoop. All right. Fire away. What do you think? Christian Watson. Christian Watson. Touchdown catch. Uh, we'll give it to you. Yeah, two. You're not going to go wrong with that. On a hot play where no sooner than the Chiefs pulled it within two, Christian Watson came down with touchdown number two. Here's the snap to Love. Rushes on. Love waits. Fires. Right side. End zone. Leap and grab. Watson. And a sensational grab. Back line of the end zone. On the right side. They beat Joshua Williams. A leaping grab. A leaping grab by Watson. Penalty markers down on the near side. Rolling. Defense number 38. The penalty is the result of the play is a touchdown. Well, the youngest team in the NFL isn't going anywhere tonight, Rock. They answer the Chiefs scoring drive with one of their own to start the second half. That was huge. 
Yes, it was huge. Congrats, Wade and Larry, on the call on the Packer Radio Network. And unlike in Kansas City, when Jordan Love wilted under pressure, boy, he stood tall in the heat and delivered last night. Yeah, you know, you just got to, with this defense, you never know when they're going to bring it. Um, you know, they do a really so good job. We're looking for a play next. Stuff, so you kind of always got to uh, be alert for it. Got to think about this one. Little tells, little keys. But, yeah, you know, on that one to Christian, they did end up bringing it. Um, we got to a, a protection that picked it up. Um, was able to give me enough time to just kind of buy some time and let Christian work and uh, put it up for him. And he, he went up there and made a great play. Yeah, great catch. No question about it. That was our hot play. Congrats. You're in. Now we got to find the cold play of the day. And I don't see any takers on that one, on the cold play. But think about all of the hoopla last night, and that will get you headed in the right direction. All right? So uh, if you have a cold play idea, come on up and uh, fire away, and we'll see if we can't get you a winner and a prize tonight. Lucas Van S, our guest this evening. Uh, yeah, go ahead. The cold play, yeah. Well, it's got to be one or two. I'll take the uh, the uh, uh, pushing out of bounds penalty. The Jonathan Owens thing? Yeah, yeah that was just just ridiculous. I'm, yeah, I'm not not a penalty. Not a penalty, but that was Should it. not have not been it. flagged. All right. That was crap. All right. Think celebrity. All right. Think celebrity. All right, we'll get to that. I want to get to the Jonathan Owens. Come on, man. I didn't see Patrick wearing a skirt. He wasn't out of bounds. <laughs> Jonathan Owens is doing what he's supposed to do no that was not a penalty he was clearly in bounds he was not on the white at all i know the announcers in the booth were like that should not have been a penalty the rules official came on said they should not have thrown a flag on that that was absolutely not a penalty but they missed it they screwed up lucas that got really frantic in the final minute i mean let's just kind of just talk about that yeah jo uh with the shot on uh, on on patrick he didn't think it was a foul uh, he was surprised when he saw the flag, but that gave him 15. Uh, and then it was kind of negated when the fumble that was over, well, it was upheld. I mean, he, his butt was on the ground. Rasheed it was, Rice, yeah. yeah. And then uh, I think Ballantyne picked it up and went the way for the score. But Isaiah Pacheco uh, took a little swing at uh, yeah. Keyshawn, uh, and uh, that cost him the 15 that the Owens thing got 15. However, the deep shot to MVS. Carrington Valentine, I think in the first quarter, that's called pass interference. Yes. Late game situation like that, they let him go. Uh, and obviously they're going crazy in Kansas City over that non-call, which would have put the ball, what, inside the 10 easily? Yeah. Down to the he five. He was down to about the five All if right. they make that pass interference right. call, yeah. So uh, give me a sense, and I'm going to go, and, and we got the uh, explanation from Brad Allen, the referee, uh, thanks to a pool reporter. Whenever there's a controversial call, uh, the Pro Football Writers Association has a designated reporter that can go interview the official, the referee, and get an explanation. We'll get to that, but I want to get to you just kind of dealing with that last-minute scramble mode you guys found yourselves in in the last minute what was that like i think that's the most electric last couple uh, minutes of football really? i've ever been a part of um but that was a lot of fun there i can promise you i was on the sideline uh you know <laughs> running around screaming trying to get the crowd into it um that was that was a lot of fun yeah especially knowing with kansas city i mean they did this to buffalo what did it take 13 seconds yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and they're they're able to drive and put up points in that situation. Yep. So you know that Patrick Mahomes and that team, they're always in it. Exactly. Yeah, um, he's a tough guy to deal with. I mean, you got him in kind of a confined little situation out in the red zone, but he extends, yep. he makes plays. 
Uh, he's really a hard guy to, to handle. You really have to be disciplined at all levels playing defense against a guy like that. We talked all week. You know, a lot of uh, a lot of their offense, you know, uh, goes through Patrick Mahomes, and it's off schedule throws usually going to number eighty seven. Um, and uh, we were ready for it. And uh, you know, we expected a couple a couple times he got out of the pocket. Just we talked plaster all week, which is basically all the guys in the back yeah. end find the guy you're closest to and lock him up and stay on and give us some time in the in the on the defensive line to get there. I heard but, Sean Clifford did a marvelous job impersonating Mahomes yeah. at practice yep. last week on the scout team. He, he does a great job. I, you know, more than anything, those, the scout team guys, they just, they just go out there and have fun and they challenge us and they make us better. And, uh, you know, they always don't get the, you know, the shining or, uh, you know, all the respect, but those are the guys that, you know, sometimes I've been in games this year where, you know, the scout team's given us better looks or, you know, it's been more competition than I've, I've played in games. So, um, you know, Sean Clifford and crew are doing a great job uh, impersonating all these teams. Anyway, so we had to get an explanation just to appease the Kansas City fans about those two calls. And here's uh, Calvin Watkins was the pool reporter, and I got a transcript of his visit with referee Brad Allen. The question, there were two calls in the game. First one, Mahomes hit out of bounds. Uh, personal foul was called. What did you see on the play? The answer, the covering official believed that the defender made late and unnecessary contact on the quarterback, so that was the call for unnecessary roughness. A follow-up, these things happen so fast. Was there a discussion about whether or not he was in bounds? Uh, Brad Allen, quote, internal conversations happen on every play, and the covering official was certain the call had been made correctly. <laughs> three blind mice, three blind mice. Well, he missed it, obviously. Right. And then, so you just believed it hard enough so it had to be true. I guess. It's like, it's like, it's like George Costanza telling Jerry Seinfeld, it's not a lie if you believe it. True. It, yeah, that's exactly I, I, what that is. I know, I know. It was un- anyway, now onto the deep shot and the non-PI call. Uh, Brad Allen said, uh, as you may know, on every play, whether may or may not be pass interference, either offensive or defensive, the covering official has to rule whether contact materially restricts the receiver. And in this case, the covering officials were in good position and ruled that there was no material restriction that rose to the level of defensive pass interference. Um, then was it a catchable ball came a question and brad allen said i'm not aware that catchability was involved the covering official simply did not feel that there was the level of contact that rose to a material restriction for defensive pass interference much well, to mvs's chagrin obviously well yeah i mean look he went through the back of mvs before the ball arrived that you would figure there would be a pass interference thrown there but after you screwed up on the jonathan owen ones I'm fine with a makeup call. Uh, uh, yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It all balances out, right? I suppose. Have you ever defended a Hail Mary on the back end? I hope to one day. Yeah, well, but you are 6'5". Yeah, yeah I mean, you're big enough to. And obviously, Devondre Campbell had no trouble wrestling Travis Kelsey to the ground. But that's <laughs> no holds barred on Hail yeah. Mary. I don't think they're ever going to throw a flag on a Hail Mary play where six guys are scrambling. Yeah over each other's shoulders and bodies to go up and get it. Yeah, if you've ever watched the Hail Mary play as a fan, you know that they don't throw pass interference no, they on just those. Can't. We've always known that's never going to be a flaggable play. But during the broadcast, when there was discussion, should a flag have been thrown, look like Kelsey was pushed in the back, this, 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 the rules official came on and said, oh, that would have been pass interference had it not been a Hail Mary. So come on, man. So they just flat out came out and said, do whatever the hell you want on Hail it's, Marys. It's a pull people to the ground. It's cool. It's all star wrestling cage yeah. matches down there yeah. in the end zone. It's so nuts. that's good to know. It is good to know. Remember <laughs> that. We don't have a cold play contestant. 
Hmm. Hmm. Well, that wouldn't be the first time that's ever happened. I'll give you one last shot. One last shot. Come on, man. The couple last night, everyone talked about it. There were more cameras in the lower tunnel by the media auditorium before the ball game than there were Did, on, on the NBC telecast waiting for one arrival in particular. Are you a Swifty? <laughs> You know, I'm not going to decline, um, <laughs> but I would say uh, probably within the last couple of years, I've probably listened to a little less Taylor Swift than normal. Okay. All right. Makes sense. Did you catch a glimpse last night? Any? I didn't, but I know some of the guys were talking about it. She, yeah. As you mentioned, she walked through the tunnel at some point. Yeah. I must, yeah, uh, yeah. I must have missed the opportunity. Everybody. I mean, and that is out. the thing. Like, so many people are like, well, why do people talk about Swift and Kelsey? Swift and Kelsey. Well, the guys on the other teams also talk about it too. Like it's they do. It's of interest. It's of interest. Yeah, eh, not as much to me. All right, we'll just go cold playlist tonight. But That's fine. I know. You know what it was? So I got to give it out. Yeah. Since we don't have a guesser, the warm fuzzy, way overhyped in my opinion, romance. But trying to deny a third and eighteen to open the third quarter, Packer defense kind of chilled out on a cold play and gave Taylor Swift something to cheer about. Wanye Morris is the left tackle on third and 18. Mahomes is escaping and throws on the run complete to Kelsey to the 35. How about that little dance? Almost hang time. 27 for that magical duo there. <laughs> Mike Tarico and Collinsworth on the NBC broadcast. All right. He got a nice one there. Good he for did. Travis. Yeah, he got, you know, a handful of catches. Yeah. 81 yards. Yeah. Didn't. Didn't kill you in the red zone, anything sure, sure. like that, where he can be a real, real beast. Yeah, but they have, they do have a connection. But anyway, yeah. we just wanted to pay tribute to Taylor and to Travis. Okay, so before we let you go, Lucas, your nickname is Hercules. Uh-oh. How, how did you get the nickname? When did this start? You know what? Uh, I, I've gotten this question a couple of times, and it's, I think it's originated from a couple of different spots. Um I think the first time it came out was my sophomore season uh, when I, I had a sack against Aiden O'Connell, which is impressive. I, I see he's you know playing pretty well now, but uh, I had a sack against him. And uh, post game, one of the D tackles, Noah Shannon, um, came out and said I looked like Hercules out there, and it kind of it kind of stuck in the building a little bit. Um, and then uh, as I progressed to working out in the weight room and. Uh, you know, I've always kind of prided myself on physique and working out, and it, you know, it's just something I've ran with, and it's uh, it's fun to have a nickname. You got to enjoy it, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. Indeed. As long as you don't give it to yourself. No, I'm happy to hear that you didn't no. dub yourself Hercules. All I right, not. I did not. All right, Hercules. <laughs> uh, all right, you got through the adversity, Lucas. Uh, now it's uh, it's dealing with a little success, and and even Matt Lafleur mentioned this yesterday after the ball game. All right. You guys are starting to make a little noise. Uh, you got a New York Giant team that's out of it. They got their fourth quarterback, I think, playing, and and uh, Mr. Devito. They're going to be coming and gunning for you. Uh, how you handle success? How you stack success? That's the next big challenge for you guys. Yeah. Well, one thing I've learned with my time in the league is, uh, you know, every game is a tough game to win, and uh, True. you know, regardless of, you know, there's a lot of people probably out there right now saying that these last, you know. You know, a few games are very winnable uh, games for us, but, you know, regardless, I just think we got to stick to our plan. Um, you know, understand that we've been having some some success and playing pretty well, but 
um, just stick to the little things that we've done the last few weeks that have gotten us here and exactly. uh, continue to progress. And just they keep saying, don't let wins mask some of the little problems that we're continuing to have. Um, so just always finding ways to improve our offense, defense, special teams, and uh, you know just excelling as, as a whole team. It is such a Monday-to-Sunday regiment. The yeah. blinders go up, can't look back, can't look ahead. It's all New York football giants one week from tonight at MetLife Stadium. Uh, Lucas, best of luck uh, in that one. Uh, stay healthy. Uh, you're a fantastic addition to the team, and I'm so glad we could finally hook up and do this thing. And uh, have the D lineman tip big at your dinner tomorrow night. All right, we'll do. Cover some of that cost. Sounds good. All right, sounds great. Thank you guys. Ladies have a good and gentlemen, night. Appreciate Lucas it. Venice!